Welcome to the Let's Explore podcast. My name is Lane McCall, and I am here with Don Keithley and Darren Begley. Don has been a pastor for 48 years. He's the president of Global Grace Seminary, and he teaches uh, on his digital cathedral on YouTube on Sundays. And um, Darren has been a pastor for 25 years. He's the founder of Key to Justice Ministries, and he's the author of the book, I Am Identified. And we've been having a couple great sessions on some different topics. And this one, I'm kind of particularly excited about because we're talking about the Bible. And we're exploring what is this book that has birthed, as Don said, 40,000 denominations, people that don't agree on some particular things. So let's just jump right into it. Gentlemen, what what is the Bible? What are, What is this book that we have? Well, the Bible's actually uh, a compilation of 66 books, and we've we've looked at it as one book, but it covers generations and multiples of writers spanning thousands of years. So uh, when you take the Bible, I know traditionally we've just looked at it as everything between the leather covers is all one book, but that's not really the case. So I'm just going to open up with that, that it's that it's really 66 individual books written by multiples of authors over long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what it is. You know, and then actually, you know, you get into the epistles and it's letters. Mm. And it's letters that he was writing, uh, you know, so the book of Corinthians was written to the Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Was not written to you. Mm. The book of Thessalonians was written to the Thessalonians and and so a lot of times we read the Bible and we're interpreting it. So it was Jews that wrote it from the East 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we take it, move it from, you know, Hebrew and Arabic, Aramaic, to English 2,000 years in the future. And then we read it like he's talking directly to us and dealing with situations. And that's why we get into such a mess, because if I'm writing a letter to someone, okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm not writing that letter to someone 2,000 years in the future. I'm I'm dealing with, yeah. and so people get mad at me all the time when I tell them the Bible wasn't written to you. It was written for you, but it wasn't written to you. Yeah. And, you know, Pastor Don said earlier, you know, the Bible is the fourth person of the Trinity, and, and boy, people just cut you off right there. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's easier to look at what the Bible isn't. <laughs> it, for example, it isn't the Word of God. That's a that's a phrase that we've put on it. You're going to ruffle some feathers. Oh, with I that know statement. that. <laughs> I, I realize some of our you know some of the listeners be going, hmm, never heard that. No, nowhere does the Bible claim to be the Word of God. But we we have given it great authority by calling it the Word of God. So. Are you going to tell me that it is the word of God to us when when God uh, supposedly told uh, people to go in and destroy an entire city and kill women and children, massacre the masses? Is is that is that God speaking? Is that really what your God does? Uh, and then when we bring that in and say, well, that's inerrant. That is exactly truth, just at face value. Uh, then you have to begin to look, well, is is that really the Word of God? Is that really what God is saying? So you, you begin to look at what, maybe maybe some of the questions about what the Bible isn't. Uh, is, is it a book to be 
interpreted literally? Is is it totally inerrant in everything that it says? Is it perfect? Was there was there variations of revelation that the author had when he wrote what he wrote? You know, obviously there are conflicts in Scripture. People don't like to hear that, but there are conflicts. There, there's two there's two uh, scenarios of creation. I mean, we get into what about this and what about that? And it's hard to, if you're going to believe it's inerrant and, and believe it literally, it's hard to balance everything out that you read without having to really twist it to not have conflict. Mm, yeah. You know, I, I, as a younger man, I put so much faith in the book and I was taught that way. And then later I learned you can make the book say anything you want it to say. That's why we have 40,000 denominations. Well, there are people that say we're people of the book. Mm-hmm. You know, but you can preach any message you want from the book and you can find reason. You can back it up with words in the book. It's right here in black and white. People think, well, I just need to believe the Bible. I just believe the Bible. But you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. When I first started hearing a message that um, not too long ago, um, that the Bible wasn't inerrant, meaning it wasn't just written with no errors so that I could just know how to live. It act, it really threw me for a loop. Like I started to see that the, the book wasn't what I thought it was, but I then I didn't know what to do because that, that was the basis for how I was living. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, he, something he told me, this was, I would say probably 20 years ago. And, um, uh, I remember when I first got up and told our church and, you know, people freaked out on me, but he said, uh, he said, Darren, I don't want you to read the Bible for a year, hmm. which was like went against everything I'd ever been taught, you know, cause you gotta read the Bible every single day. You gotta have your quiet time, you know? And I said, okay. And he, I said, God, why would you say that? And he said, because when you're reading, you already have a preconceived idea that you already know what it means. Hmm. And so he asked me a question. He said, um, uh, Paul didn't have the Bible, okay? Yeah. And I started thinking, wait a minute, what's, what's he saying here? And so he would start to speak to me, and then I would go to the Bible and confirm it. And I was going, oh, whoa. He said, mm. this is the way it's always been, mm. is I speak and I confirm my word. Mm. And so then when, when this process was happening, then I started realizing to confirm the word with the word. And uh, there's, a, there's a passage in Isaiah that says every uh, scripture has its mate. Mm. In other words, Isaiah is telling you that if you can't confirm the Bible with the Bible, then what you've been taught is not accurate. Mm. Because you can take a scripture out of context, and like you said, you can make it say whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. But you can't take something that Jesus did and take something in the Old Covenant and say, well, God did, and them not to connect and say it's the same person. Mm. You can't do that, mm. you know, because God was in Jesus reconciling the world. Mm. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's not two gods. There's not a God of the Old Testament, a God of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's very challenging for people because if you read it for face value the way a lot of people have done, it looks like it's two different gods. Mm. Or it looks like in the Old Covenant, if you're a Jew, you're in. If you're a Gentile, you're out. New Testament almost looks like if you're a Gentile, you're good. If you're a Jew, you're out. Right. And I mean, that's the way it's played out, you know. And, and it's because we've just read it for face value. We haven't taken 
and heard by the Spirit of God and let him show us, now, wait a minute, this is what I meant when I was saying this yeah. or when this was done. And, and you look at how people write. Uh, well, we were talking about history a while ago. In America, if you look at American history, Americans that are writing American history are going to make Americans look good in the history that they're writing. That's true. So, and listen, you know, you take it for what you want, but if you look at Jewish people that are writing things, they're going to make themselves look a certain way in how they believe. It's going to come through that filter mm -hmm. in things they were saying. Okay, and and the bottom line is when you start to look at some of that, it, it creates this um, scenario in your life of wait a minute, this doesn't back this up. This doesn't sound the same. And what I'm here to tell you is, it doesn't matter what all you want to believe with that. God confirms Himself, and He'll do that with life. He is life, and even the disciples were were messed up about this because they came to Him and they say, Hey, we went over here. These people are not receiving your message. Let's call down fire. And he said, hey, you don't know what spirit you're of. Mm. And so we see things like that. And it looks like it's controversial because we see that in the old covenant, there was someone that called down fire. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you that it's the same God. There may be different covenants and things he did for different ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but it's not two different gods, for sure not two different gods. I, I think the whole idea of inerrancy probably came from one scripture uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. So I think what we've done is taken that word uh, inspired and equated it to inerrancy. And uh, I can tell you from experience, my theology's changed a lot. Now, back before I, I began to understand everything that Jesus did on the cross, the finished work of the cross, and understand God's grace and goodness. I, I, I taught a lot of messages that were definitely inspired. God breathed. I felt, I mean, there's no, no two ways about it. Were they inerrant? <laughs> Absolutely not. They, they, were, they were, had as many holes in them as Swiss cheese. But that didn't mean that God didn't breathe on it and God didn't use it and God didn't minister with it, right? So I think there's, there's a huge difference between inspired and inerrant. Mm -hmm. And we've got to draw a distinction there that, yeah, sc Scripture is for us. We can pull, pull out of it and, it, and it does do what it's supposed to do. It does build good doctrine. It does bring correction. It's profitable for every area of life. But is it inerrant? I, I don't think we can—I I personally can't go that far and say that, that it is totally <coughs> error-free. Hmm. It does it need to be? No, it doesn't need I to mean, be. I mean, because if let's say that it has errors. Well, if you're living by it, it needs to be. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's if a, that's a great it, point. A, that's a good point right there. In like a literal way of as far as this is what I this is where my faith comes from, this is what I lean on and rely on, instead of a relationship with a being who is God who is here. Well, I have people all the time, they'll say, Well, you know, show me in the Bible. Also, show me your car in the Bible. So since it's not there, go ahead and give me your keys. You know, because that's why well, I live by the Bible and everything. It's right here in black and white. And once again is, yeah, it's in black and white. But if you take it out of the context, you take it out of who's talking, who's he talking to, what's he addressing, you could twist it and turn it. And, you know, and that's what we've done to the book of Revelations. Now, you know, which is one of the most misunderstood books of the whole Bible mm. because, you know, it's the uh, apocalyptic end time. You know, people say, well, you know, it, it's it's literal. It's not symbolic. Well, 
when you say the lamb that take away the sin of the world, everybody would go, well, that's not a literal lamb. Right. We, we Everybody would say that's Jesus. Mm. So that's symbolic, okay? But you can't take that and say it's symbolic and then take everything else and go, no, that's literal. Mm. You know, there's going to be Apache helicopters and, and atomic warfare and, right. uh, you know, and they're saying John was writing about that 2,000 years ago, and that's what God was showing him. To me, that's ludicrous because, one, he's writing to the seven churches of Asia. Mm-hmm. So why, if he did see that, why in the world is he writing to the seven churches of Asia about it? Because they ain't got a clue what a helicopter is right. or atomic warfare. But that's what we do. It's it's like we're these guys that, you know, because we're apostles or we're prophets, we say this is what it means, and don't you question us, that's what it means. And then, you know, you got people coming to church going, well, you know, the Bible does say that there's there's apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, you know, and, and that's what that's who they are. So, you know, what they say, that's the way it is. Mm. And it takes to what it takes away from wait a minute. The Bible says he's given every man an anointing to teach them. Mm. Every one of us have a right to hear God, to hear his voice, to know him. So why are we trusting man to tell us what truth is? Mm. When the creator of the universe says, I want to show you what truth is. Yeah. And the bottom line is, you know what? My truth, it affects me and how I live. Mm. So somebody else's truth, they can believe what they want to. I'm not trying to change their belief. I'm just trying to attach you to the same God that I know that tells you, look, he wants to lead and guide you, and you don't have to trust just a man's opinion to it. That's something that... Go ahead, Don. Okay. Well, I would just want to pick up on what you just said because that's something that we we don't we aren't taught this in church and don't necessarily come in understanding. But the reality that I think I've heard you say, uh, Don, that like God doesn't have stepchildren. Like there are no there's no second tier of God. There's no special man or woman, someone behind a pulpit that can hear God better than you. Maybe maybe they have a, a gift to communicate things that will illuminate to you, but it's not. No one has a monopoly on this re- relationship, and but I think the book, the the Bible, because some if you're behind a pulpit, you probably spend more time in the book than people that are out working a nine to five or whatever, and that's been used a little bit to say, look at me, pay me your money. Unfortunately, is part of it too. Come sit in my services on Sunday. But it's like the reality is that relationship is is beyond the book, but also available for every single person. Well, here's the bottom line. If you're using the book to cause people to attach to you, mm. you are an idol. Mm. And you're causing people to be in idolatry. Mm-hmm. Because that gift that God has given you, and we're not saying that God hadn't given you a gift. But that gift that he's given you is to equip the saints to the fullness of the stature of Christ, not of your theology, mm-hmm. not of your doctrine, mm-hmm. is the greatest opportunity that you have and blessing that you have to have that gift is attach them to Father, mm-hmm. not to what you believe is right. right. And that's that's what's got to shift. And, that, and that's what's happening now is people are starting to hear God for themselves. Mm-hmm. People's, I think, I can't remember if it was last time we were together, time before we talked about the fact that people's security is in what they believe more than a relationship. So the Bible has been the great tool to help them cement what they believe to 
make them secure. If they could see it in the Bible through the lens of the pastor or the lens of their denomination, then they felt very secure in what they were believing. So for me today, for me today, my, my whole thing is I'm adjusting my use of the Bible. I, if anybody ever listens to me teach, I use a lot of Bible. I'll, I generally use 10, 12 scriptures in a 45, 50-minute teaching. So I use a lot of Bible. I'm adjusting my use of the Bible. It's a, it's a great tool, but it was never meant to replace the spirit of truth that is in us. So I now see it as a tool rather than the absolute and authority. For example, I used to, I used to, if I would sense something in my spirit, if I feel, feel like some truth was rising up, I would immediately take it to the Bible to see if I could validate it. Now I reverse that. I take what I read in the Bible to the spirit of truth to get a right understanding of what I've been reading. So for me, the process is just reversed. It's scary when it first starts happening. Oh, absolutely. It's scary <laughs> it's because scary. let's face it, we all grew up thinking the book. It is the book, right? It's God's word. It's it's God like talking directly to us. Never mind it. There's gazillions of interpretations of what God said, uh, you know. But He can communicate to me. So when I when I when I'm hearing something, I take it. I don't I don't you know take it to the book. If I'm reading the book, and believe me, when you start seeing grace and love, this this whole book is different now. You read the Bible with a different lens. It's like I had to look on the outside of my Bible to see if it was still the same Bible that I'd been reading for years because I now saw everything different. It was like I was reading a different book. When the spirit of truth begins to work in your life, then the Bible takes on new meaning. And I think that's where we get the Bible into its right position. And no longer does it become... Um, the security tool to reaffirm my beliefs to make me feel good about what I'm already believing. Let me give you an example of that. One time I was an early preacher and I was preaching and I made a statement and I made a statement. I was just quoting where he, he talks about, I'm knocking on the door of your heart mm -hmm. and if you'll open it, I'll come in and I'll sup with you. And while I was preaching this, I made a statement. I said, that was to believers, not to unbelievers. Mm. And when I said it, I was like, Oh my gosh, what did I just say? Because every time I'd heard that scripture, it's in an altar call. Right. And I mean, I was scared to death. It was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I've got to get to the Bible to go see what I just said. Mm. And then when I got to the Bible, of course, it's out of Revelations, and he's talking to seven churches of Asia, and it's actually talking about being one in communion with him. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh. And that was kind of my first initiation into saying something that I heard from my spirit without going to the Bible and making sure I'm not going to get hammered for it. And like I said, it's it's scary when it first starts happening because you're like, what is this? And God's going, that's how he always wanted us to operate. He wants to show us what he meant by things instead of us going and going, oh, I got to make sure this is right because, right. you know, this right. is this is the standard. Well, we're dealing with a generation today. They don't even know. You can't go... Well, this is what the Bible says. They're like, what's the Bible? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to try to minister to somebody now outside of the four walls and try to prove something to them with the Bible, you're in trouble mm -hmm. because they don't even know what it is. Mm -hmm. you know. And it's almost, it's almost like God's allowing that to happen because he's, he's trying to get us to live by his voice. Is. Not he's, by the book. He's taking us right back to that first century church where we got to live by his voice, by what he's directing us to do. Um, you know, the Bible never changes, that's for sure. But God's not afraid to blow up your understanding of what the Bible says. Yeah. 
And that's that's what's going on today. He's totally blowing up a lot of the traditional views and lens through which we looked through to to bring us truth. So he begins to stir the truth in you. You you know you go to, you go to the Bible and you go, oh my gosh, I never I never looked at it that way. Or you read something in the Bible and he goes, yeah, that's not really what what you've always thought. Here's what that really is saying. Here's what that really means. And you go, oh my gosh, why didn't I ever see that before? It's so plain. It's, you know, all die in Adam, all live in Christ. Oh my gosh, I never saw that before. I read, I've read Corinthians a gazillion times. But now I see that in a different light because the lens has changed. Love and grace changes the lens through which you read scripture. Word didn't change. Scripture didn't right. change. Right. But my, my understanding of it sure has. He's blown it up. Well, you, you can take any passage. Let's, let's say, um, Let's create a, a doctrine or a theology that Peter really wasn't a called out apostle. He started off as one, but you know, really Peter is Satan. Hmm. And, and I can create a whole theology and doctrine that Peter is Satan because, <laughs> yeah. right, right, because right. Jesus said, in red yeah. said, <laughs> Get behind me, Satan, talking to Peter. Right. So and now, people are going, ah, oh, no, that's not what he meant. Exactly, that's not what he meant. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say, because you mind the things of man and not of God. So he's talking about how Peter was thinking. Mm-hmm. He wasn't calling Peter Satan, okay? But just like that, you can take the Scripture and turn it and create any kind of little doctrine or theology that you want to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the reality that if you just live by the book mm-hmm. and not hearing his voice, mm-hmm. you're going to end up bankrupt. Because that the book takes you to a person. So, you know, when we were growing up, this is one of the biggest things, you, know, you got to have quiet time. you got to read so much of the Bible every single day. It was some of the most boring, dreadful, uneventful things in my life. Why? Because it was rule-oriented. All right? So now if I'm reading the Bible and I hear God, I shut the book. The Bible is a means to an end. It's all about the Bible is an autobiography. So when the person starts speaking, I don't need the book. You know, I've seen so many people that are um, a little bit younger than me because I, you know, that come into the church system and that outside of church when they're young, they're normal. I mean, they love God. They're just experiencing life in this new relationship. And then they, they get into a particular church or a way of believing and it becomes about what they know and what, or what they don't know. And that's all... Bible based, and what happens is then, in their mind, it's created that okay, you're either in my club or you're out of my club based upon what you know and believe, or based upon what I know and believe. The flip side of it is when you when you have relationship, and then and and the book highlights Christ in you, not Christ in the book. Like when it highlights relationship, then my outlook becomes man, I just want people to enjoy this relationship that I'm enjoying. Like that becomes my, and whatever that means, it's not, I'm not, I'm not in control of anything. I don't have to get you to jump through these certain hoops of belief that I got from my book. It's just, I know this person that I'm hanging out with and enjoying life with, and I'd like you to know him too, because you were created that way. Well, Jesus never said he would send us a book, did he? Mm, no. He said he would send us the spirit of truth that would lead us into all truth. Never said he would send us a book. And I, the other thing we have to understand, too, is that everybody's personal theology bleeds through the translation they make. Uh, every translator's personal theology bleeds through. 
whether my good friend Francois de Toy wrote the Mirror Bible. Yeah. His, his theology bleeds through all over in that thing, in yeah. his notes and every part of it, right? Now think about King James. That was the standard for a long time. Here's King James, who's the king, and he calls together a group of Catholic bishops and says, what I'm trying to do, guys, is to bring all the churches together into one. So I want you to translate the Bible, but make it so it's good for the church, but also good for the government. So what we have a lot of verses that they've translated how do you think it came out that we should always pray for those in, in government authorities or, or, or that we need to submit to those that are church authorities? It's because a lot of the words were translated to bring us into that place where we give reverence to government authorities and give reverence to church authorities. So their, their personal theology, their intentions bled through a lot of the words that were interpreted to make it go kind of the way they wanted it to go. So every translation, you show me the guy's theology, and I'll show you a little bit of how his translation, if he translated the Bible, it does bleed through. There's no question about it. So when we say the Bible's inerrant and is an infallible guide, which Bible? Exactly. Which Bible are you talking right. about? Right. You're talking about King James, the NIV. You're talking about the Schofield. New Living Translation. Yeah, which which Bible are you talking about here? So it's almost, as Darren said, that God has, has made this now so diluted and so fragmented in so many translations that we don't we can't say this is the bible there is no, none of that there you can't so he's he's very cleverly bringing us back to where we have to listen to within yeah. the spirit of truth uh, and, and not only that but everybody's encounter when you have an encounter it's going to come through how, how you believe so people that say they've been to heaven or they've been to hell or all these different encounters they have then from that encounter, their belief system is in the interpretation of that encounter. Yeah. And so it gets to a point where you go, well, then what am I supposed to believe? Who am I supposed to trust? Uh, his name would be Jesus, yeah. <laughs> and it would be a personal relationship with him. Yeah. He don't want you trusting anybody else's encounter. He don't want you trusting anybody else's interpretation. He is jealous over you, and he wants that relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And you can be secure in that, yeah. that you're not going to miss it. Okay, I mean, get rid of that. Get rid of, oh, man, I'm just afraid I'm going to make a mistake. Oh, you're going to make a mistake? Mm -hmm. But he already got the answer to that mistake. It's called the cross. Mm. Now, what, I, what I've discovered is when I, when I can set the Bible aside and just have good relationship with the Father, it also affects my ability to have a good relationship with other people without having to get into a battle royale of Scripture. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I'm a big Facebook guy. I post a lot on Facebook. And when I first started this, maybe ten years ago on Facebook, I would I would make a good grace post, and I would I would get so much f anger and hostility that seriously I would have posts with five hundred comments, and all those comments would be about scripture. Well, the Bible says this, and somebody come. Well, the Bible says that, and it would just be constantly ripping and tearing, using the Bible as a as a means of destroying somebody else's particular beliefs. But I found that when people have a good relationship with the Father, they can they can have a good relationship with other people and talk about things, talk about beliefs without it becoming a scriptural ping pong. I knock over mine and you knock yours back, and we just keep going back and forth for five hundred comments. So that's a you know when it come, when it gets down to that, we've totally. Um, misunderstood and perverted what the scriptures even to be about to begin with. So, well, if you have to prove your point, you yes. really don't have one. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. And, and that's what Jesus did when you know Satan. You know, if you're the Son of God, prove it. Turn this stone into bread. Hmm. I know who I am. I don't have to prove anything. 
If you can live there, you're at peace. Yeah. You're at peace with the identity of who you are and your relationship with God, and you don't have to prove anything to anybody. But when you start getting into a biblical uh, argument, there's no end to that argument. Because like I said, you can take scripture and turn it and try to point it to whatever you want it to say. Mm -hmm. And so the whole thing in that is you just got to be able to have peace and go, I can make the statements I want to make. And if you want to try to argue it, that's fine. But I'm not trying to prove a point. I'm just making a statement. I, I love the way Jesus handled it when they tried to suck him into scriptural debates. They would say, they would give, and Jesus would say, you've heard it said. But I say. <laughs> but I say. <laughs> and what he said was in direct conflict to what the, their scripture said. So when you do that today, you run into the same op, op, opposition from literalist that you'll you'll say, here's what, here's what I feel like God is really saying. But here's what the Bible says. And when that, boom, when there's a conflict, then those literalists are going to come out of the wall and begin begin to attack because there's no other way but the way that they've, the, the lens they've seen it through. And what's so funny, it's right here in black yeah, and white. It's, it's just plain right there in your Bible. It clearly says. <laughs> I'm like, well, it clearly says take your kid out that's rebellious and stone him, you know. But you're just going to have that. It's like people, they are looking for something to argue over because when you're in that argument, it proves you don't have peace. Mm. People are afraid of being deceived. I tell people, if you're afraid of being deceived, you're already deceived. Mm. Okay, because if you're carrying truth, why would you be afraid to have any kind of right. conversation? And and when I'm talking about conversation, I love to talk about Scripture. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. But anytime it goes into an argument, I'm done. Because I'm not here to prove my point. I'm not here to try to get you to see it my way. And when you start getting angry and you start shaking and you start, well, this is the way it is. I, I, I don't need that. That's done. That is that is not God, you know. And so you just realize you just got to walk away from that stuff. Matter of fact, the Bible says don't do it. Don't argue over it. When 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 did this thing of inerrancy actually begin? Does anybody? Do either you guys know? When, there was when, a council. Uh, when, well, recently there was a in like the seventies or eighties, uh, man. In our generation, there was a, a group of about a hundred and some odd. Did they just affirm? They affirmed the, it. Okay, so that was but, probably the original one. Yeah. So the, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, in looking back, I can't remember when there was. I know they, you know, when we canonize scripture, when we shut the canon, maybe that when we shut the canon and said, okay, these 66 books will never be added to, which, you know, there's a lot of good books that are not in the 66. Yeah, in the Apocrypha. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of truth in the but, Apocrypha. You know, you, that, when you start looking in, even in the book of Corinthians and, and things that we have made to be doctrine, there's questions that the Corinthian church is asking Paul. Right. And then Paul is responding. Mm -hmm. We read it like Paul is writing the whole thing to them, so that makes it gospel. Mm -hmm. But this was an immature church. And I mean, if you want to see any immature church, it's the book of Corinthians. I mean, my goodness, it, Paul said this, you know, even the heathen are not doing what you're doing in your church. But the whole thing in that, once I saw that, I started going, wait a minute, what have we called inherit gospel that's not even coming from the apostle Paul? Mm -hmm. It's coming from a Corinthian church that's asking questions about what's right, what's wrong, is this, is that. And Paul is answering those. Well, there's even times Paul said, I'm saying this. Exactly. It's not the Lord saying yeah. this. is me saying this to you. Well, look look why they, they left the book of Peter out of the Bible. And you know why? Because Peter said this, do not marry, period. Mm -hmm. Do not marry. Mm -hmm. 
And they're like, how can we add this book of Peter? Now, that was one of the reasons. But is it how do we put this in here when we know we've we've got to marry to keep the race going? Right, right. But what Peter was referring to, he was saying in the season that we're in, because of 70 AD and what was coming, which came right back to what Jesus said and confirmed, pray that it not be that you're pregnant. Okay. That's what Peter was referring to because the time was short to end of that age of what they were going through specifically. He wasn't saying don't marry to everybody out there. Right, right. And that's why Paul said, I rather for you to stay as me. But, you know, if you're burning, go ahead and marry. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Paul was dealing with some of the same issues. Mm-hmm. But we take that and go, well, this is what it says, you know. What? It's like we throw away context, even not even historical context. We'll just pluck verses out of, of letters and and don't even understand anything about the situation that's being spoken to. And then we, we of course, don't go into history and, and want to understand what was happening in their day. So we have no frame of reference. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, and you're looking at two pieces out of a thousand and trying to figure out what it means. It makes no sense. Well, I think one, one of the things that's helped me is that I, I refuse to be labeled any any theological stream anymore. There's ba- three basic theological streams. There's Calvinism, Arminianism, and Universalism. And based on which stream you identify with creates the lens through which you read Scripture. Now, the reason people want to label us oftentimes is so they can dismiss you. If if I can call you, if I know you're a Calvinist, well, then I dismiss you because your view of God is this. If you're an Armenian, then this, or universalist. But if you refuse to be labeled, which is valuable for our own self, not to allow ourselves to be labeled so that we don't look at Scripture through the lens of that particular stream. I read it through the lens of Armenianism for a long time because that's who I was. I believed you could lose your salvation. I was saved today. I'd lose it tomorrow, get saved again, time and time again. So that affected the way that I I would look at Scripture. But when you don't have a particular theological stream, I think it frees you then to begin to look at Scripture in a more honest light and and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what it's really saying without having to defend a particular stream that you're a part of. You know, like, like you're saying, most people want to know who you, know, you are, what, who you are, yeah. what you believe, so they know how to fight you. Yeah. Because there's certain. Uh, it's kind of like when they, you know, the guy that wrote the check, and then they came out burning down the shack. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, how ridiculous, you know? But it's it's like if we can find out what we think you believe, then we know how to get ammunition to come against you, and not only to come against you, but to come against anybody that's listening to you because you don't agree with us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the other day I had a, uh, well, this was here a while back, but uh, one of my, uh, what I call a spiritual father back in the day, called me up and uh, he said, you know, someone said that you're preaching this. And I said, well, one, I, I didn't say it. It was somebody at our conference that said it. And they put it into the category of, of a praetorist. And he said, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know what that was. He said, I had to call my spiritual dad to find out what it was. And he said, uh, I'm not going to use his exact words, but he said, man, all I know, Darren, is you kick the devil's butt. You just keep on kicking the devil's butt. I don't care what they're saying about you. Hmm. And the whole issue is they were trying to put me in a box so they could come against me. I'm in relationship with him. And he's just like, look, I know you out of relationship. I don't know you out of what people say that you're saying. Hmm. 
And he basically was just telling me, I don't care. I'm, I'm calling you to let you know that this is what I've heard, but I'm telling you, I know you, go for it. What you just said, I think, sums up like the whole point of the of the book. It's like with God, it's like if you know God out of relationship. Like when I first met God, I went from a total unbeliever. I thought God was something people made up in their brains. And then the next moment I'm having an encounter with a God at 1.30 in the morning who was pure love and, and just and present and there and had nothing but love. But when you understand God from that place, which many people do, many yeah. people that have never picked up a Bible exactly. believe that whatever has created this thing is that love. And a lot of times they know a lot more about God or a much more connected sure. with this love than people that have spent 30 years in a particular church believing a specific set of doctrine. Hey, man, some of the meanest people out there are the religious That's folks. true. I'm That's telling you, true. when you disagree with them, you're talking about mean. The, the hardest thing for an evangelical Christian to ever admit is that God is bigger than his book. Mm. You know, he's not confined to the book. Right. He, he's outside the box of the book because we use the book for the box. Mm. And if you can't find it in the book, then it must not be true. Um, well, there's a scripture that says that if we wrote everything that Jesus said and did, the books of the world couldn't contain it. So I think that's just a, an insight in that he's bigger than what you're writing down yeah. about him. Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. I was in the grocery store, and uh, it was one of my elder's wives years ago. And she started confronting me over a passage that I was preaching. And, uh, and she was very angry and she's saying you, you know there's not very many people gonna make it to heaven and i said really and she said no i said well where'd you get that well the bible plainly says i said well, what's the bible plainly say enlighten me here and she said uh you know broad is the way that leads to destruction and many that go therein and few you know that make it in in the way of life you know and and uh narrow is the way and uh and I looked at her and I said, you're exactly right. That is exactly what the Bible says. I said, but he wasn't talking to me. What do you mean he wasn't talking to me? I said, well, that Jesus only came to preach to the lost house of Israel. He was talking to the Jews. And broad is the way that leads to destruction, which was living by the law. Exactly. And narrow is the way that it's leads grace. to life, which was grace, which was yep. by him. Mm -hmm. So he was telling them what they were doing within their day. And I said, you might want to skip over a few books and read the book of Revelation. Every trug, uh, tribe, every tongue, every nation was before him rejoicing at the throne. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and she just it's like almost started manifesting there in the store. And I said, just let me ask you this one question. Why are you so angry? Mm. And she just turned around and stomped off. Wow. And here was the issue. She wanted people to go to hell. Because people had done her wrong, and that was the way she was going to get her revenge. Mm. And that, that was the whole paradigm that she come from. So you know what? I wasn't going to argue with her over Scripture. I just make a statement and then go away. But I can tell you this. I didn't have no anger. Yeah. I'm sitting there just going, look, honey, I hope you, know, you see this. But if you don't see it, it's because you don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. Well, we've used the Bible to tell us what is right and what is wrong. And that's the wrong use of Scripture. Scripture leads us to Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus leads us to the love of the Father. Mm -hmm. So if it's not, if it's not doing that, we're, we're misusing Scripture. 
And this lady in the grocery store, her security is in what she believed. So when she, when Darren said that the narrow way that leads to life is grace and broad is the way that leads to destruction is the law and rule keeping, that totally shook her belief system, which then created insecurity in her relationship to God because that wasn't first. The relationship to the book was first. So we, part of what's going on today, this Reformation, he's, he's reversing that order. The book, the book is not the most important thing. Relationship to the Father is the most important thing, yeah. which is very freeing, yeah. very freeing. And too, you know, and I give this example all the time. If, if, if you've ever renovated your house, when you're renovating the house, it's very uncomfortable. Because when you start oh, yeah. renovating it's the kitchens and the cabinets yeah. and everything's out of place and you got plastic over things and your bed's moved and, yeah. and, and you know, but the end result afterwards, people come over and go, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. You know, and, and literally what is happening is he's renovating our thinking and he's literally, I, I think for one of the first times in my life is what I think me and Pastor Don is our whole agenda is we're giving the people the right to hear God for themselves yeah. and not just listen to dogmatic preachers. Yeah. Yeah. And in that in itself to me is liberating because you're taking off all restraints and you're saying, you know what, personally, it's between you and God. Yeah. And you can hear him. And you know what? You, you'll probably make some mistakes in hearing him. But you know what? You'll get better at it. That dismantles the whole religious system. I used to tell people, I'm not the Shell Answer Man. Remember, You guys are probably too young to remember those commercials with Shell Oil that the guy had a hat and he was the Shell Answer Man. He could answer all the, whatever question you had, the Shell Answer Man had the answer. And that's what we've made the pastor is the Shell We made him the, the end all, be all, know all. So what he says goes. So nobody ever told people you could find this for yourself. You know, mine it out yourself. Work out your own salvation. You don't have to believe like I believe every jot and tittle, but doesn't affect has to doesn't have to affect our relationship. We can still walk in love. As that permeates the globe, we're gonna find Calvinists not being able to embrace Armenians, Armenians universalists, because that's not that's not the basis of our relationship anymore. Love is the basis of our relationship. We have the same father. There is one God and Father above all, through all, and in all. We all got the same daddy. We might see it a little different, but that's not where the unity comes from. So when we don't have to have a, a literal, inerrant Bible, it breaks it down from, from the basis of our fellowship being doctrine to where now it can just be the love we have for one another through him. And that's the reformation that's going on, and that's hard for people hierarchy in religion because they're going to lose market share. They, they may leave my church to go to your church or that church to that church, but who, you know, who really cares because it's all the kingdom anyway. And so all, all of that is being torn down and it all, but it all comes back to the Bible. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he made a statement here and, and I ever pastors probably heard this who knows how many times, but it's, well, two can't walk together unless they agree. Right. Right. And yeah. so that's the scripture that they all yep. use to, to leave your church. Mm. You know, and I'm just like this. Look, if God told you to go, go. You don't belong to me anyway. Mm -hmm. But number one, you're taking that scripture out of context and using it the way you want to. Because um, if two can't walk together unless they agree, you've never been married. Mm. Because, you know, me and my wife, we don't yeah. disagree on a lot of things. But we walk together, been married 30 wow. years. The, the whole issue is that love trumps everything. I can be in a relationship with a Muslim. Mm -hmm. 
They don't have to believe like I do. Mm -hmm. But I promise you this. If that guy's a Muslim and I am who I am, if he hangs around me, his beliefs are going to get challenged. Not by what I say, but how I live, Mm -hmm. but how I operate in life. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not affecting him through my life, then somewhere I got to go back and go, then what do I believe? Because if I believe it, it's got to come out in my life. Not for me just to try to prove something to him. So I'm, I'm not... My relationship with God is not threatened to be around someone that don't believe just like I do. Matter of fact, you know, the person that, that, that does this that I love is a guy named Bill Johnson. He brings a lot of people in his church that don't believe exactly the way he believes. And I'm going, what a man, what a ministry that he's so secure in his relationship with God that he brings other people in and he's not treating the people as immature people that they right, can't discern. Right. Right. And say, believe what I believe, not what anybody else believes. Yeah. You know, or what we were told, you know, spit up the, you know, uh, eat, eat the, the meat hay. and speed yeah. out the bones. Yeah. Right. But the bottom line is, that's really what we're saying is, hear God. Yeah. Hear God for where you're at, man. Yeah. That's the freedom in it. That's the liberty in it. So that, to do all of that requires an adjusted view of the Bible. Mm. It's not the infallible guide that I view through my lens that makes ultimate truth. Mm. There's room for what you think, what you think, what I think. And we all get it out of the same book. But we don't have to segment off into different churches just because of that. Right. right. Well, not only that, but if you, if you look at it, the Muslims have a big chunk of the Bible. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. They true. just taken it and made it sound and do what they want it to say. So, you know, you got to be careful what you're thinking is gospel truth because yeah. they're just using it for their benefit. You know, I feel like God way. said something the other day. So I'm really pondering on it. It relates to the Bible. I feel like God said, I'm not upset if people call me by the wrong name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know. Right. Why, so, yeah. Why I mean, I, and I was thinking of Muslims and Allah and we call him father or whatever. We all got different names. But is he big enough to be able to embrace different names? Which maybe we can do a session on that sometime. Well, let me tell you a story real quick just with that. Because it was a guy that he went up into um, Tibet. And he was up and he was going up to a Buddhist monk. And he climbed all the way up there. And anyway, he he was going in. He was talking to this guy. And it was was about some some type of meditation that they were doing. But he started, they started talking. He started talking about the Bible. And he mentioned Jesus, and he said, who? And he said, well, you know, it's this God of the Bible named Jesus. He said, I, I don't, I've never heard of a man named Jesus. He said, but the things that you're saying, yeah. I know that guy. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And he was freaked out because yep. he was like, everything he was telling me about <laughs> life and union and yeah. hearing him, he said, I know him, but I've never, I don't know him as what you said his name is, Jesus. Right, right. And what matters? Because you can have people say they know Jesus. Exactly. And then act oh, like come, and don't yeah. know him at all. Yeah. Exactly. So what? who really knows Jesus? Yeah. Who really does? Is it what you do, how you are, your nature? Or is it just a name that you use to beat people over the head with? Exactly. I mean, yeah. what's exactly. the real Jesus? <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been fun. Yeah, um, it's good. We're going to wrap this one up here, and we'll see you next time. All right. Oh, you got something else? You well, want to, you I, know, I was going to end with this. I got a bunch of whoopings in Jesus' name. Because <laughs> <laughs> you spare the rod, you yeah, spoil the child. Right. Right. Anyway, that's a good way to go out. <laughs> All right.